Welcome to Lights in the Sky podcast episode 23, casual chat about uncasual things. I'm Luke. And Tony. Is here. Uh, across the room. <laughs> um, in this episode, um, the agenda will be a hypothetical, and Tony's going to regale us with a paranormal story. About something paranormal <laughs> yeah. that... We're about to find out. Yeah. And then at the end, we will flick through the... Um, Mysteries of the Unexplained book in the segment called Get Me Some Strange, where one of us will get the other some strange. That's right. Yes. <laughs> um, anything uh, paranormal happened to you this week? Well, I was week? telling you about the heat pump that's no longer making the grrr noise. That's amazing. Like, I don't understand why technology is doing this to Tony. Yeah, we were talking about, uh, just before we started recording, talking about... Um, things that heal themselves mysteriously. Yeah, when they're machines. Yeah. So your heat pump used to make a noise every, what, few hours or oh, just like when we hit record? Every, I think probably like every 45 minutes it would make a vibrating noise. Even all through the night? All through the night, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. See, I thought it was pretty much just whenever we'd hit record. No, I was doing it all the time. <laughs> well, that's actually, there's been like flowers left. Um, there's been a candlelight vigil at the foot of the heat pump. I think people are realizing the healing powers of the heat pump. Mm. Um, a bit annoying, really, when you get out to the bathroom at two o'clock in the morning and there's like, you know, a prayer vigil going on mm. and you sort of like trip over a, a nun. Whoa. Yeah, I know. What would a nun want from that? Prayer vigil. Right. She, um, <laughs> yeah. Go on. <laughs> She's like, oh, I should probably, you know, I got a lot of time on my hands because nuns don't have to do too much, I imagine. To be honest, what do nuns do? Like, priests at least take mass. Nuns, what do they do? Yeah. Nun gets up at six o'clock in the morning, puts her nunnery outfit on. I'm just saying, nun gets up at six o'clock in the morning, puts her nunnery outfit on. Hmm. What's she doing? Do they, like, watch daytime TV? (laughs) It's not a job. Well, do they get paid? I don't know. I think so. They must, right? I've seen that the Keepers thing on Netflix. And like the nun at that point, she was teaching in a school, which was like, I think in the old fashioned days, nuns were like teachers and nurses and things like that, but they don't have that anymore, I don't Mm. think. Yeah, like during the war, they were like, um, you know, sort of like medics, nurses and stuff. Driving tanks and shooting down aircraft. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, with their nun powers. Their nun powers. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. I'm just saying, I've never met a nun that's been stressed out. Have you ever done this? Like, oh, I've got so much on my plate. <laughs> That's right. You haven't. I remember um, one time when I was in high school or just leaving high school, worked on a checkout, and a nun came through and was like two bucks short oh. on what they wanted to buy. And I was really torn. Like, of all the people you'd say, go on then, <clears throat> just, you know, have the goods. It's only two bucks. I was you know wanting to give it to them but didn't want to get in trouble but then somebody just behind them just put two bucks on the counter right so that's kind of cool what was she buying um like nun costumes (laughs) no (laughs) i can't remember i can't remember they used to buy like gardening stuff and stuff like that maybe tending to a church or yeah good point church garden or cemetery that's what nuns do they tend to things yeah yeah. 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 Anyway. Um, anyway, um, things heat. that repair themselves. So far, your heat pump. I remember my first car was a 1985 Honda Civic. Do you remember that car well? That yep. used to make a really weird uh, noise Had from time to time. Had spinners on the wheels. <laughs> yeah, there well. you go. <laughs> um, but that healed itself once. It was making a strange noise, and then eventually it just went away <laughs> and just <laughs> carried on. My my old Hilux constantly heals itself, yet it creates new problems. <laughs> 
<laughs> like something goes wrong and then it heals itself. Yeah. Like I remember a few years ago, the lighting, like um, where you like turn on the air conditioning and the heating and the um, select what sort of um, direction the fan blows at you, that stopped working. And I just got oh, a, few, I remember this. a few decent oh. whacks. <laughs> and it came right. And it's never done it since. It's just healed itself. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Awesome. There's, there's a number of things where there's been just I just it's quite endearing to that car now like something goes wrong and I'm like yeah, it'll come right mm. <laughs> it yeah. just always does that light's on but it'll turn off it'll just come right it'll yeah. be fine <laughs> <laughs> if you've got equipment that has healed itself phantom machine <laughs> tweet us at lits underscore podcast speaking of tweeting us Somebody has tweeted in a hypothetical for this week. Now, I went looking for it, and I accidentally stumbled across something less desirable that I just showed you, but... Um, <laughs> Go on, then. Uh, You've got to explain it. Well... You, were, you went looking for the hypothetical, because you are on Twitter, but I tend to all of the podcast Twitter. You're the Sosh Meds expert, yeah. Yeah, well, I'm the Sosh Med person who knows the login. Do you should get an intern for our social media? <laughs> if you'd like to be an intern... <laughs> Um, yeah, so we're gonna finally uh, sort out that fax number we've been wanting for a while. We <laughs> haven't been wanting it, we've, or you've been saying it. I don't um, think we could get like some millennial intern to try and sort of fax for us, yeah, you? <laughs> with like a fringe over their eyes. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, so you went looking for the hypothetical that was tweeted to us, and I found porn on Twitter. Yeah, who knew? Who knew there's porn on Twitter? Yeah, I mean, you were searching for the hypothetical. What did you type in to search for uh, the hypothetical? Hypertesticles. No, you didn't. What did you write? <laughs> well, I don't even remember why I was searching for it. It was... Um, it was Tweet Me Nude? Yeah, there. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know why a hypothetical didn't show up when you typed in Tweet Me Nude. Um, I'm not saying... I'm saying that I guess that would be somebody tweeting us nude, in the nude, but not a nude. It's just simply they're, they're tweeting us a message naked. No, see, I'd look at it the other way. If I was... To, well, not I... But if if uh, if you were to set up a Twitter account, which was at tweet me nude, yeah, you'd be someone who wants to receive tweets of nudes. No, I think it's just people who are naked but sending tweets. They don't have to actually send you pictures of the naked bits. Well, then it would be I'm tweeting nude. No, they no. You want them to tweet you while they're nude. Doesn't mean that it's not saying. I mean, if it, if you wanted pictures, it'd be you know tweet me nude pics. This is just tweet me nude. So simply, you're in the buff. And you send a tweet. You tweet and they want you... No, but then it'll be retweet me nude. No. It'll be like you want conversation. Is that what you're saying? No, just tweet me nude. <laughs> I don't quite get it, but... I'm All just right. saying that someone's nude. I don't need to see them nude, but I just want to be assured that they're tweeting me naked. But if you if you had the, the Twitter handle at tweet me nude, yeah. would you expect to be sending the nudes or receiving the nudes? I wouldn't expect to see any pictures. I just expect people to see me tweets that were naked when they sent them. I don't want to see the pictures. Oh, just I get it. tweet me nude as in like they're nude so and they're sending tweets. So the tweet would just say, hello, I'm nude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. That's exactly right. You got it. <laughs> oh, now I get it. Yeah. Yeah, it yeah. Really make any, but actually when you say it like that, it's kind of stupid. If you're nude and tweeting us, <laughs> let us know at LITS underscore podcast. Hashtag tweet me nude. Yeah. Let's get that trending. Yeah. Oh, wait, I'm not looking them up. <laughs> Certainly not at work. Um, so this hypothetical has come in from our friend 000 Antihero. Oh, cool. He's clearly collecting the stickers and um, uh, wanting to cash in his five stickers once he gets there. 
uh, for something good. So after after the five stickers, you he gets your car. That's right. Um, if he can track down my old car, the nineteen eighty five, he Honda. wins the right to buy it. Do you think it's still in driving around or it's wrecked? No, like six months after I sold it, I looked it up on um, that website. We can see when they were last registered. R.O.P. And she's gone. Same oh. with the next car after that. Oh, no. My uh, Primera. Was it? Primera. Yeah, my Primera. Primera. <laughs> we, um, we went to a Halloween party once dressed as our <laughs> 1990 uh, sedans. That was a good effort. We yeah. made real effort that year. Yeah. So we both had cars. <laughs> Like 1990s cars. Yeah. We went and got a hoodie in each colour and stuck a number you plate blue, on You blew myself white and yes, printed a licence plate out and stuck it on. Yeah. And I had a vanity plate on my car, which I got from my uncle. Yeah. But no one understood. They thought it was a pirate rather than a, Agatha, a, rather than an Agatha Christie murder <laughs> mystery series reference. And like, why do you think you're a pirate? It's like, no, it's, it's Hercule Poirot from the Agatha Christie series. And it's my uncle's license plate. He sold me the car. So you're like a, how old were you? Like 18 year old guy driving around in, in a car with Agatha Christie license plate. <laughs> everyone think I'm, think I'm a pirate. That's brilliant. <laughs> Poor excuse for the word pirate. Oh, I remember um, my dad back in those days um, had a police scanner and he. Did you forget that? No, because the, the cops went digital, so you can't tune in anymore. Um, but he used to listen to all the police communications just while he's working away or whatever. But <laughs> I remember him um, coming to me one time and saying that he heard uh, somebody reported um, uh, erratic driving from somebody in that car. Really? <laughs> yeah, like in your car. It was you. And um, they said that they drove up onto a roundabout. <laughs> Which is exactly what you used, what to, used do. to do. Yeah, <laughs> and it was around like Barrington or something yeah. as well. <laughs> and parked on a in the middle of a roundabout. <laughs> I've never heard that story. Yeah, that was one of those one of those mad lads things you used to do, where it's <laughs> yeah. just look how dangerous I am. I'm driving my 1990s. <laughs> and this car didn't care that. if I dinged or anything like that. It just parked in the middle of a roundabout with the hazard lights on. <laughs> That's right. Always with the hazards. <laughs> God, I can't believe someone stopped me in. Yeah, yeah. No, you were on the run that day. You didn't even know it. Oh, I assume so you were probably not far away from home. No. <laughs> yeah, being that part of town, I wouldn't have been, no. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> pretty good, eh? Uh, All right. We used to play a game called Lunar Driver, where we'd pretend that you'd be a lunar driver and be driving really erratically with an L plate uh, up in the car, even though you're on a full license, but, like, just to see what you get away with. <laughs> That was um, all allegedly, obviously. And then there was the time um, you picked me up and wanted to eat a hot dog. That's right. So we drove from. <laughs> yeah. You, you, you were driving. I was doing the pedals. Yeah, you were, well, you were doing the pedals and I drove all the way to the <laughs> yeah, mall. Yeah, with the hands of the like, steering wheel. I did the steering. You drove about seven there. kilometers. <laughs> <laughs> driving, doing all the steering. Yeah, allegedly. Allegedly, of course. <laughs> yes, yes. Not bad, though. And you were just chilling out eating a hot dog. Yeah. What you want to do is you close your eyes and just get the um, person. <laughs> you still have to know when to stop. No, well, they should tell you. <laughs> anyway. Okay, we're digressing. Um, so it's a relatively short hypothetical, which is good because we've just spent like nearly 10 minutes talking about your car escapades. Um, so obviously it's short because it's a tweet, so it's less than 140 characters. Um, so here it is. Would you rather speak every thought you have out loud... Louder than a whisper, or never speak a word again. 
remembering that hypotheticals never come back on me, so it's always, <laughs> always Tony that is answering them. Let's see where he goes with okay, this. Okay, so the first thing is, okay, I can't, so if say I don't speak, can I still write? Yes. Write things down? Yeah, you can write things down. If I can't speak, can I sing? No. I can't sing. <laughs> you can't sing. This is the fun part of the hypothetical where Tony tries to clarify in the hopes that I'll slip up and give him an out. Find a way out. <laughs> okay, so, so I can write it down. Can yeah. I use a voice boxy thing like Stephen Hawking? Um, how does that work? How does he drive that? I don't even I know. I don't even know, no. Because he doesn't really have the skill. He doesn't really have, say, the skills. That's not really fair. He doesn't have the... Um, Careful. The na 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 to type it. Careful. I just went, no, 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 because <laughs> I don't know what to say. But. He doesn't type it. No. He doesn't type it. Does he do it with his eyes? <laughs> Does that, that make sense? Like, or one of those straws that people use? Straws. Look it up. Isn't it, there, there's some wheelchairs where is they he, drive is with he their a tongue. A pH or an EV? I don't know. <laughs> He's a digression at the moment. He's a pH. Okay. <laughs> I just search how does ST Stephen Hawking talk? So yeah. using a small sensor which is activated by a muscle in his cheek, he uses this, oh. the sensor to type characters and numbers to his keyboard. There you go. Okay. So you could do that. Or you like. just type. <laughs> or you can type. I might do that. Walk around typing everything. I think I'd have to, because I could not share the thoughts going on in my head with the general populace. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's quite incriminating. Well, You'd be thinking of people tweeting nude. Well, you know, you just say you walk past someone and you're like... <laughs> like you know. Oh, so you're judging everyone. Not everyone, just some people. <laughs> people you think you're better just than. Just people that deserve... You know, they a little sass their way. Who deserves it? Oh, uh, like, I mean, it would maybe even Come be like on, people who... This is going to be good, I can tell. Like, this this woman that I saw today on the news about who robbed a dairy with, like, a knife and tried to, you know, take lots of cigarettes or something. Like, if I saw someone who looked like that sort of, like, deviant, sort of, like, <laughs> horrible person, I'd say something and then i get stabbed. Like, I think my biggest issue is I would say something and I would anger oh. the Bloods or the Crips or the KKK. <laughs> so what you're saying is that your thoughts are not fit for... They're, they're unsafe thoughts. They're unsafe thoughts. <laughs> not yes. safe for life thoughts. No. And then I would get um, I would get knifed. Okay. So in an emergency situation, you're not going to be typing anything. What if you had to yell out the window? What if you had to communicate out the window that... Your entire downstairs operation, as in the lower floor of your house, mined okay. out of the gutter. Okay, because <laughs> I was thinking something else. Uh, the lower floor of your house is engulfed in flames. I'd get myself out. You're on the fifth floor. Oh, well, how, who's going to save me on the fifth floor anyway? You're on the third floor. <laughs> What I would do is I would learn Morse code so I could reuse a phone and then use Morse code to can talk. Who do you ring that knows Morse code? That's the problem. I don't know anyone. You. So you <laughs> I would don't also know Morse code. No, but I'd teach you. We would okay. learn, learn Morse code together. Yeah. And if I was never in trouble, I'd call you and use Morse code. And so, okay, your downstairs operation's on fire. The lower floor of your house is also burning down. <laughs> and I would call you, and I would use. You call Morse me, code. and it goes, and it, and you get What's my voicemail. What's the SOS for the Morse code? I don't know. 
Do you have a voicemail, or does it just say, you've reached the voicemail box of... No, no, oh. I left it. Oh, no, I think I've got a message. Why are you Googling that? <laughs> as soon as I said that, you reach for the computer to start Googling. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Why does it not make sense? Oh, my laptop's not plugged in. That's all right. Okay. Um, it's not on Google whether or not I have a, a voicemail message. It's be doing this. Whoa. <laughs> You just hear this on your phone. <laughs> this is SOS on Morse code. I'm like, what? Your downstairs operation <laughs> is what? <laughs> it's on fire. <laughs> and then I'd tweet you this one. When I tweet you, I'd do this one to you. I don't know if people can hear this. It's just, I love you. Because <laughs> I was dying. <laughs> I'm like, oh... I assume he's dying, otherwise he wants a cheeseburger. Yeah. So there, that's, that's, <laughs> that's all you'd expect to hear. Okay. Meaningful. <laughs> Alright, let's kill it, because it won't be on the microphones anyway. <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> so, okay. So you reckon um, you would be better off mute... And I think I would not survive very long <laughs> if I had to vocalise every thought I had. Because you're too judgmental? No, because I just don't speak nicely to people. Like when I see someone evil, and I want to say something. Because I just like, oh, I just hate injustice. I'm like a superhero. You're not Batman. You plugging the iron in? <laughs> no, I'm plugging my laptop in. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> the iron was plugged in. And then I switched it on, and then I switched it off again. Because <laughs> I thought it was my laptop. Um. All right. So, any other issues with that? Um, I think there's a number of issues, but... <laughs> Let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> I always feel like we have to apologise again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, thanks very much, zero 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 Antihero, for your um, hypothetical. Um, we will send you some more stuff. If you yourself listening uh, want some stuff sent to you, uh, just send us a tweet or an email it's as easy as that um you can also submit a form on our website so um lights in the sky podcast at gmail.com or lights in the sky podcast.com for this for the uh submit your story form Mm, or hashtag tweet me nude and we'll find it that way yeah i mean you're in charge of looking that up that's a urine that's disgusting what's your story (laughs) (laughs) right okay um so my lead into my story's about <laughs> urine. <laughs> okay, what um, ballpark are we playing in? Um, we're, we're always in UFO with you. Yes, or well, not always. I think there's, uh, looking through my list here, I've done, there's one, two... You did a sea serpent three. one. Three. There's three that aren't UFO, and then there's that questionable brown mountain lights one that you think's a UFO that I That's don't. It's definitely a UFO. Oh, my God. It's lights in the sky, I'll give you that. Yeah, unidentified flying lights in the sky. <laughs> so, where are we this week? So, this week we're going to Melbourne. And oh. um, it's quite nice because you've recently been to Melbourne on yep. one of your stories. Melbourne uh, gets actually a lot of um, a lot of attention on this podcast. It does. Get lots it was of attention. the UFO flap, um, Scholars and Cigars, that um, started in New Zealand, ended up in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. There's Hanging Freddy. Rock. Oh, yeah. Freddie the Feminist and the Fiery Ending yes, was in Melbourne. In Melbourne. Hanging Rock, which we did a couple of weeks ago, that was in Melbourne. And um, this week we're going to uh, Westall. 
means nothing to me. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll, we'll we'll launch in this one with um, a beginning of sorts that says um, the nineteen sixty six Westall flying saucer incident represents one of the best daylight mass witnessed and landed craft evidence UFO encounters on record. It took place in the suburb of Clayton South in Melbourne in front of over 200 eyewitnesses, many of them school children and teachers. School. School. Go school. Okay, so let's let's What begin. year did you say? 1966. Oh, yeah. So it was the Wednesday before Easter, April 6, 1966, in Westall, a small community 21 kilometres southeast of the CBD of Melbourne, Victoria, Australia, Students at the local high school were involved in physical education, which we'd call P-E <laughs> yep. classes on the school's field. So one of the teachers... The Oval, they'd call it. Yeah, it was actually Oval. Yeah. yeah. One of the teachers, Ms. Jeanette Muir, uh, who mentioned in the article that she was a New Zealander, mm. Mm, go us, was the first adult to notice an unexpected object in the sky, alerted to it by the cries and shrieks of her students. Dramatic. Mm. As the object had made no sound as it approached the school oval, there you go, it was right overhead when it was spotted. For several minutes, about 50 Form 1 and Form 3 students, and I don't know what that conversion rate is, how many, nautical, how many nautical miles it is, or well, Form age. 1. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How many nautical miles in Form 1? Yeah. <laughs> Plenty. Carry on. So about 50 Form 1 and Form 3 students and their two teachers watched as the silver, shiny, metallic-looking flying object about the size of two cars and shaped like an upside-down bowl flew low over their heads. It flew so low that many students thought it was readying to land or feared an imminent impact with the ground. Some of the students reacted with panic and many became distraught. The sight of the strange craft was overwhelming. It had appeared seemingly out of nowhere, and it seemed to be flying and hovering as if under intelligent control. Mm. So mystifying for those watching was the fact that it was clearly not an aircraft, balloon, or parachute. There were no windows, no visible engines or propellers, no wings or fins, no flashing navigational lights, no markings or letters or numbers of any kind, no ropes, no strings. Its shape was clear, its lack of sound, obvious. It was flying, <laughs> not floating. There also seemed to be two other objects just like it, but further up, higher in the sky, and keeping their distance. Interesting. So we've got three of these bad boys here now. Uh-huh. And they said it looked like an upside-down bowl. Mm. Right. Mm. <laughs> like you're looking at the top of a bowl? Like the top of the bowl, I imagine, yeah. yeah. Um, by this stage... One extremely agitated student had run back into the school building. <laughs> I can just picture one extremely yeah. agitated student. <laughs> <laughs> Bursting into the class of science teacher, Andrew Greenwood. She blurted out, There are flying saucers outside! Flying saucers outside! Mr. Greenwood, with students in tow, set out to look for themselves. So word of the arrival of three flying saucers had spread like wildfire. When Andrew Greenwood and his class arrived, the closer flying saucer had begun to move away from the school, but was still very visible in the sky, above a group of trees at a property called the Grange. The Grange? Yeah. 
You can just call it the Grange. About 400 metres away. <laughs> to the amazement of everyone watching, the larger or closer flying saucer moved from one side of the sky darting to the other as if it was just blinking off and then on again at a spot hundreds of metres away, like it was quickly moving from left to back to right mm-hmm. and so forth. Interesting. It ascended and descended and turned at incredible speeds. What are they thinking? Why? What? There's no logic you can apply to these movements. Why what are they there? thinking? I just think they're showing off. <laughs> look, at that, look at how good shit can do. Yeah. Melbourne's Moorabbin Airport was a mere four kilometres away from the school, and the skies above Westall were constantly abuzz with the sound of aircraft. So when five aeroplanes appeared, it was obvious that they were conventional aircraft and that the flying saucers bore no resemblance to them in any way. So whatever this is doesn't look like a plane, mm-hmm. eventually. Uh, but these planes didn't do what aircraft of a Westall normally did. They didn't drone high overhead. Instead, they flew low, down towards the flying saucer, as if trying to get closer to it. Every time they seemed to edge towards a strange craft, it just flitted away, and the saucer began to descend behind the pine trees uh, at the Grange and vanished temporarily out of view. Mm-hmm. So by this stage, about 300 of the high school students had amassed around the oval. At the sight of the flying saucer disappearing behind the pine trees, a group of students jumped the fence and ran towards the Oh, that's keen. That is keen. They ran. Do you think if this was to happen um, when you're at school, would you have been the one hysterically running inside, or would, would you have, have jumped the fence? jumped the fence and run to it. Oh, Absolutely. yeah, you say that. No, hell no, I would have gone. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you say that. One Form 1 witness remembers arriving at the Grange in time, to see Grange. The, in time to see the flying saucer lifting off from where it had settled. On the ground were two other girls. One had fainted in the dirt and the other just getting up but still dazed. While she tried to take all of this in, the craft descended, turned on its side and then flew up and away at a great rate, vanishing from view. Another Form 2 student told her running after her friend and finding her hysterical and already running back towards the school. She tried to calm her, but the girl was too distraught and broke free from her friend's embrace. The Form 2 girl then decided to return to school, just in time to see her friend fall into the arms of a teacher. That sounds a bit, like, romantic. Yeah. Naughty teacher. <laughs> and then shortly <laughs> afterwards, that teacher was arrested. Now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> shortly afterwards, she watched as an ambulance arrived, drove onto the playing field, and transported her friend away. Her friend never returned to school and was not sighted again. What? No. It appears that the flying source was on the ground for only a few minutes. Those who stayed back at the school were able to watch it descend and fly away, and were able to attest to the incredible speed with which the three flying saucers departed, as if in the blink of an eye. Those five planes that were just chilling, hanging out overheat, overheat, overhead, um, were left in their wake as if they were standing still as the saucers disappeared. Weird. <coughs> this is this is very weird. Mm. Sue Savage was Savage. <laughs> was thirteen. We don't have to do that. That's time. not how they speak in Australia. Sorry. Was thirteen at the time of the encounter. Mrs. Savage said she and her classmates went out to the corner of the schoolyard and looked up in awe. The UFO was like two saucers, one on the bottom and one turned upside down on the top, Mrs. Savage said. (laughs) Some people say there was just one, but I reckon there were three. (laughs) 
they were hovering over the trees and then went down into the trees and like disappeared for a minute or two then rose back up sort of banked on its side and then took off at a thousand miles per hour this doesn't sound australian is that what an australian sounds I'm not like saying she's australian she's an immigrant maybe <laughs> from where i don't know the savage <laughs> Although the flying That's saucer horrendous. had departed, left behind in its place at the Grange, the Grange was a huge and perfect circle of flattened grass, with a distinct ring of discoloured grass around the perimeter. Many recall that the perimeter seemed to be singed or a little burnt or singed scorched. Singed discoloured ring. That's right. It's an episode title there. <laughs> Others also recall three indentations How many in people... the grass around the circle. How many people saw the saw the burned, singed, uh, discoloured ring? A lotty, a lotty. So people were just standing around, yeah. staring at the discoloured ring. They were. <laughs> like, did they? Did anyone like prod or? I think they may try to of, enter the discoloured ring. I think they ring? may have tried to enter the discoloured ring. Yeah. Was anything like oozing out of it? <laughs> just go on. For the witnesses, there was no doubting the obvious correlation between the saucer-shaped discoloured ring <coughs> and the saucer-shaped craft that they had seen in the sky which had descended to this very spot behind the trees over the coming hours that day many more people made their way down to the, the discoloured ring to try and see the discoloured ring oh, they come were on. Give, it a, give it a bit of respect they were gobsmacked by what they found 24 of the witnesses, including the teacher, have recounted memories of police and hey, Speaking of which, there's a siren in the background. Maybe, yeah. Maybe they're coming to get us about this, recounting the story. Have recounted story or memories of uh, police and military uh, uniformed staff coming to the school or the site of the discoloured circle at the Grange. Discoloured what? Some discoloured circle. <laughs> Some recall police, army, and fire vehicles responding within 20 minutes. Another witness recalls about 20 soldiers dressed in khaki uniforms, uh, like my pants, alighting from two jeeps and two long bed trucks with camouflage tarpaulins over the top, taking charge of the paddock containing the discoloured circle. Discoloured what? Circle. Another account comes from a man who had two younger siblings at the school and remembers taking cover behind pine trees as he and his sister watched four soldiers, two enlisted men in camouflage and two others in officer dress, examine the discoloured circle with special equipment. One more witness, who was an electrical engineering student at nearby Monash University, rode down and met his uncle at the Grange, who showed him his discoloured circle. The following day... He Wait, went, what? Say that again? He showed him the discoloured discul- circle. I thought you said showed him his discoloured circle. The following day, he returned and was surprised to find the same place completely sealed off with barricades and soldiers on point duty. In the distance, however, near the paddock containing the discoloured circle, he could see soldiers alighting from trucks, wielding what appeared to be Geiger counters and metal detectors to probe the circle. A week later, he went back again. The barricades and the soldiers were gone, but so was the circle. The whole area had been burnt, leaving no trace of the remarkable circle he and his uncle and hordes of others that day had clearly seen. Wow. They obliterated that discoloured circle. A literal cover-up. Kevin Hurley was 21 at the time of the incident and rode his bicycle to the school after being alerted to the UFO sighting. Mr. Hurley never saw a UFO, 
but he walked through tall grass to the spot behind tall the what? Tall, uh, tall grass <laughs> to the spot behind the trees where the students said the UFO had touched down for a couple of minutes. I saw a whole lot of people in a group huddle. <sighs> they were all looking out the ground, and there in two feet grass was a big, perfect, discolored circle of absolutely flattened and twisted grass. Mr. Hurley said. Does my head in. In that circle, there were three distinct impressions where the grass had been penetrated down to the dirt. Mr. Why did Hurley, you lean on penetrated? Penetrated. <laughs> it was his words. <laughs> Mr. Hurley returned to the site the next day with a group of friends, but said it was cordoned off. Cordoned a, off. You can't do that. And a military officer. A lot of our listeners don't understand our accent. And so a when military you th- officer ordered him off the area. <laughs> Well, why is it spelled cordoned then? <laughs> it's spelled cordoned. <laughs> no, it's cordoned. <laughs> so back at the school, Principal Mr. Frank Sumbleby tried to wrest control back over his students. At an assembly called after all the students had been returned to the school grounds, Mr. Sambley made it clear that flying saucers did not exist and that they had not seen anything of importance. Despite this, they were told not to speak of the day's <laughs> events, and most importantly, they were not to speak to the media, <laughs> which had begun to gather outside. Many students recalled that standing alongside the principal at the assembly that day were several people that they had never seen before. Some wore dark suits, others were in dark blue uniforms. Several students were to have close-up encounters with these suits, in Mr. Samblesby's office the following hours for the... You lost your place, I, I can did. tell. Over the following hours. <laughs> it gets way <laughs> less dramatic when you do yeah. that. Over the following <laughs> hours. And, and for them, there was no doubt that they were to be put a lid on things. I really screwed up that last sentence there. <laughs> I mean, I don't believe any of it now. Love to have another crack at that. No, we'll move on. So, fortunately, the military police and emergency services were the only ones called. Local residents called the district newspaper the Dandenong Journal. Oh, Dandenong. Dandenong. I know Dandenong. You know Dandenong? Yeah, yeah. You know? Um, my cousin uh, worked at a car yard in Dandenong. Dandenong. And I, I went over and made some videos for them. That's right. I remember you making videos. Yeah, so that was in Dandenong. Were you legally entitled to work in Australia? Um, I wasn't working. Did you get paid for it? No. No. No, I put up. <laughs> well shut up yeah no i got put up as in sent to there to hang out with my cousin nice uh by the afternoon a tv crew was at the front gate attempting to interview excited witnesses several students managed to give their version of events before a police officer and a teacher intervened and, and ordered the students back inside the dandenong journal was able to interview mr greenwood as you recall the science teacher <laughs> and a form two student marilyn eastwood both teacher and student were severely reprimanded by the principal for doing this. So investigators from the Victorian Flying Saucer Research Society arrived on the scene two days later. By this stage, however, the school was closed for vacay and the <coughs> students had, dis- had dispersed for, for, the, what? for the vacation, <laughs> had dispersed for the, the Easter holidays. Break. Yes. Uh, they did manage to speak to some locals, though. <laughs> the Dandenong Journal attempted to follow up the incident with school authorities, local residents, Moorabbin Airport, the Department of Air and the Army, but were told they knew nothing. So Victorian UFO researchers contacted American 
atmospheric physicist and researcher Professor James MacDonald, and he interviewed science teacher Andrew Greenwood in 1967 while on a holiday in Melbourne. So that was a year after the event? A year post the event. Yeah. Mr Greenwood was has always stood by his story without being able to offer an explanation for what he saw. He told Professor MacDonald that Ms Muir had also seen the object when it first appeared, but that she had clammed up about it and would not talk. He believed three teachers in total had seen the object and would not have been surprised if there had been more, but that such was the adverse reaction from the principal and others towards those who spoke up, nothing would probably be said. So, despite the large number of onlookers, the newspaper reports regarding the Westall incident are remarkably silent. So, the Melbourne Age newspaper, you read that? No. The Age? No. The Age? I don't read news. You know this. You know I don't follow Not news. Not the age. No, stop no. saying that. Ran a very small <laughs> article on 7 April 1966, the next day. So it says, object, perhaps balloon. An unidentified flying object seen over the Clayton Moravian area yesterday morning might have been a weather balloon. Hundreds of children and a number of teachers at Westall School Clayton watched the object during morning break. So um, the newspaper also said a number of small aeroplanes circled around it. However, a check later showed that no commercial, private or Royal Australian Air Force pilots had reported anything unusual in the area. The Weather Bureau stated they released a balloon at Laverton at 8.30am, 17 kilometres southwest of Melbourne CBD, and the westerly wind blowing at the time could have moved it into the area where the sighting was reported. In later years, the Australian Skeptics Group investigated the Westall incident and described the object cited as potentially having been an experimenting military aircraft. They suggested it may have been a nylon target, like windsock type target, towed by one plane for the others to chase and known to have been used by the Air Force at the time. This explanation obviously contradicts witness reports which say that the craft cited did not fit the characteristics of a parachute or windsock and the incredible speed and maneuverability of the craft were well outside the capability of a slow tow target. The fact that it was like unconscious children, burnt <laughs> grass, like hysterical people also probably is a clue. <laughs> Another theory released in 2014 was that the sighting was called by a highball. What? Highballs. What? Highball? What? Highball. Like a glass? High altitude balloon launch. Highball was a joint US-Australian initiative to monitor atmospheric radiation levels using large silver balloons equipped with sensors and occurred between 1960 and 1969. Researcher Ken Basterfield said a runaway balloon was the Hybel project and was the likely culprit. Each test balloon lifted a 180-kilogram payload consisting of an air sampling unit and was followed by a light aircraft tasked with tracking it and triggering its 12-metre parachute via radio signal. My hypothesis is that the incident involved not a UFO, but a high-altitude balloon, its parachute, and very large payload, Mr. Basterfield said. What has he been doing that he's puffing and <laughs> he's stuff? He's a creep. Yeah. He's an cretin. absolute creep and cretin. <laughs> so an interesting prelude, interesting Honda prelude. Mr. Basterfield yeah. is a cretin. He is. An interesting Honda prelude to this incident is that on <laughs> April 2, 1966, just four days before the Westall incident sighting, a Polaroid photo was taken of a UFO over Baldwin, Victoria. 
Another report. Did they was tweet made. it, and were they clothed? It doesn't say whether they tweeted it, but they did say they weren't clothed. I really? Confirm that? Yeah, they really? were nude when they took the photo. Didn't show naked dits. <laughs> naked bits of naked dicks. <laughs> Same yep. sort of thing. Um, but yeah, they were naked when they took it. Interesting. Another report was made just two days before the Westall incident, when a Mr. Ronald Sullivan in Murrayborough, Victoria, stated that on April four he witnessed a display of lights in a paddock. Nearby, a circular depression was found in the ground, 20 feet wide and 5 inches deep. So, is this bordering on a flap? It's bordering on a flap. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's very interesting that two days before this happened, something very similar occurred not too far away. Yeah. So the Westall UFO had over 300 eyewitnesses was seen in broad daylight and remained in the same area for more than 20 minutes. The eyewitnesses reported that there were at least 30 government officials at the site within minutes, yet the publicity of the incident was almost non-existent. Over 50 years has now passed since the scare at the schoolyard, and the mysterious case of the Westall UFO remains very much unresolved to this day. Now this is something you might want to do when you're in Melbourne. Yep. Today, you can visit the site of the reported landing in Westall, as the area is now a public park called the Grange Reserve. Ooh. And in a wonderful, quirky twist, there is a playground that embraces the UFO sighting, complete with saucer-shaped spaceships and aliens. All right. And I'll just show you the. Um, Let's see if I can check it out. That's one of the. Uh, that's the one of the part of the playground there. Nice. Isn't that? Yeah. Yeah. We sort of saucer there with um, a slide coming out of it. I'll send that to Beej as well and see if he's anywhere nearby. Um, he does the syndication for the pod and lives he in Melbourne go. too. Nice. And yeah. go there. Get a photo in, the, in, in that spaceship. Yeah. So um, that's the Westall UFO event. Well done. Incident. Yeah. I, um, I'd heard about it in the past and um, yeah. Quite often you hear like a title and you just kind of put it away, right? So... On deeper inspection, you and found a discolored ring. Yeah. <laughs> so looking at the um, there's a, there's a there's the um, front page of the Dandenong Journal. It's also mm. shown here. So the main headline, main banner headline is "Flying Saucer Mystery: School Silent. What was it? Investigators call for eyewitnesses." Then at the bottom of the page, pretty mm. disappointing. Here we go. Vandals ruin Easter lighting. Oh. First of all, was it vandals though? But yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Could have been something more sinister than Could vandals. Be, but also, what's Easter lighting? Like, I get Christmas hmm. lighting, but what's Easter lighting? I don't know. Do they do... I wonder if they used to do, Does, like, um, like, light... What do they call those things? Like a lantern festival, almost. Yeah. Maybe. So, I mean, just, I guess, one, throw out this to a mysterious youth incident, and also, shame on you, vandals. Mm. shame on you it's yeah. been 51 years but still i'm not over it hopefully they're they're still locked away for it hope they caught them yeah put them yeah <laughs> lock them up threw away the key yeah etc yeah put them in the old-timey melbourne jail yep. which is worth a look if you're ever in melbourne still there we could get funding from the city of melbourne at this rate we could with our strong emphasis mm. emphasis on melbourne related tales anything more to add to that one um just that um still sort of it's there's there's been like sort of like gatherings in the last sort of few years or so of the of witnesses who come back together and like although it was like a really remarkable incident um everyone sort of hushed up told to not say anything it was kind of 
post-World War II kind of Cold War era and everyone's sort of just like, all right, we'll keep our mouth shut and kind of happened. Mm. Like, it's a shame that these days this wouldn't happen and people could get the, all, the, you know, all the children who were like, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15, get all their smartphones out and take photos <laughs> of these things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like sort of like these, this is like one of those like real old school UFO stories that don't really happen anymore. Like mm. my Chicago tale a couple of weeks ago where those sort of like saucer-shaped mass UFO sightings just don't seem to occur anymore. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Um, the whole thing of everyone grabbing a cell phone and taking a photo, that's exactly what happened at Chicago, but for, um, no photos yeah, ever right, made it out. was hushed up, yeah. yeah. The other issue with that is, like, because it was at the airport, like, the workers wouldn't have had, probably had their phones with them because they were working mm. on, like, the apron. And yeah, that's like right. That. So there was a guy who went to his locker to get one. To get his phone, that's right, yeah. yeah. So that was 2006, this is 1966, so 40 years prior to that incident, there had been a mass sighting. Mm. Um yeah, and still going on. It's so. got all the ingredients, like um, many, many people, um, saucer-shaped object, erratic movement, a lot of people saw it, then um, all of the um, evidence left on the ground, the stories of military moving in, the um, people in dark suits, and the hushing of everyone else. It's There's a formula there that um, seems to occur in quite a few of these things. Yeah, and in a surprising twist, vandals ruined the lighting. Yeah. Got a playground though. Yeah, I mean, there's an upside. Yeah, garage. Let's um, let's get you some strange. Thank you. So in this um, third and final segment, depending on how sidetracked we get, um, we will flip. I will flip through the uh, 1982 Reader's Digest version of Mysteries of the Unexplained. Tony will say stop, so we'll stop on a random page, and I will pick a random mystery of the unexplained and we'll hear a little bit of what paranormal was like in 1982 so may i say flip me off flipping cease (laughs) it's not stop i'm still going stop stop. all right and now i'll do the uh, mad dash and uh, a lot of padding while i'm trying to figure out out what what section i mean so okay so cease i made um no matter we boo boo there, that I, I can't <laughs> say cease. Um, we are in the spectral incursions ah, section, right. which I I think I'll next week bring a non UFO story. You seem to do deeper dives than me. I do shallow dives, but then bring people like Jim on. I know I promised last week would have the Jim, but um, he's yeah mrs jim's birthday went a bit wild and they're still <laughs> celebrating so we haven't heard from him for a while <laughs> so so he'll be on next week so that i can just do a shallow dive for my story did they in cancun or something like that in the end like it was some sort of out the control party 13 ironclad warships of britain's mediterranean fleet under the command of admiral sir george tryon steam on <laughs> steamed out of Beirut for routine manoeuvres on the morning of 22nd of June 1893. Soon after 2pm, just off Tripoli, Sir George from his flagship HMS Victoria ordered the formation of two columns, six cables apart. Whatever that means. Two lines, I guess. The Admiral, a highly respected naval tactician, then gave a strange and fateful order. He signalled the lead ships and those following to reverse direction by turning toward one another, leading the other column in his ship, the HMS Camperdown. Uh, Rear Admiral Albert, you'd like Rear Admirals. Hey. 
Albert Hastings Markham saw that the columns were too close together to I actually to have tunes. a very soft spot for Rear Admiral Cameron, Cameron Hamings Marstall Dowman. Albert Hastings Markham. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> he questioned <laughs> One the of my favourite. And Sir George confirmed the order. The ships turned and the Camperdown crashed into the bow of the Victoria, which sank in less than 15 minutes. Imagine... Fender bender in the high seas. <laughs> imagine, like they they had that thing where it's like if you're told to do something even if it's stupid you will do it yeah these people literally crashed <laughs> their boat into another <clears throat> it's like you can see it happening you know exactly what you're doing you're like okay yeah i think we're getting closer you guys the expert tactician <laughs> says we should do it but all right of the 649 men on board 358 including the admiral went down as his ship was sinking sir george said to his flag lieutenant it's entirely my fault. No shit. At the same time, some <laughs> 2,000 miles away in Troyan's fashionable London home on Eaton Square, his wife, what Clementina... What fashionable, do you think? I don't know. His wife, Clementina, was giving a reception. What does that mean? Oh, having people around. Yeah. Suddenly, to the astonishment of the guests who knew he was at sea, the tall figure of Sir George appeared and walked among them. As they stepped aside to make way, he simply vanished. The tragic news of the Victoria and of the Admiral's death did not reach London until some days later. The end. What? Yeah. Should I do another one? Yeah. Um, bear with me, it's been quite a longish one. The Scent of Violets. This one is entitled. Emperor Napoleon III, Empress Eugenie, and their son, Louis. I like how, like, these names recently, there was, there was Clementine or, or, and Eugenie. Clementina. Just, Clementina. They're, like, female versions of, like, old-fashioned male names. I love it. <laughs> We're given refuge in England by Queen Victoria after the disastrous Franco-Prussian War of 1870 which we know about I was from about to say of all the disastrous wars I know of that was one I have studied yeah that's yep that's uh it's taking us back to our roots yeah was that do we work out that's fifth form or sixth form uh sixth, sixth form. form sixth, sixth yep. form history sixth form history it was about when we met and began the journey our anniversary our 15 year journey to get to podcast status <laughs> Waiting for the technology to catch up. Catch up, yeah. We had the ideas, but not the technology. Lewis was loyal to his adopted country and joined a British regiment that went to fight in South Africa. So that's the uh, son of Emperor Napoleon and Empress Eugenie. Was he going to the Boer War? Uh, In 1879, the prince was killed in a battle with the Zulus, and he was buried hurriedly in the jungle. I'm imagining in the... Oh, so that was pre-Boer War. That was pre-Boer War, yeah because it was Zulus was it Zulus in that one? no the balls moving right along Eugenie was adamant that yeah that makes sense (laughs) (laughs) I didn't pay attention in sixth form (laughs) Eugenie was adamant that Lewis's body he returned that Lewis's body be returned to England and buried in the family vault with Napoleon III in 1880 she went to Africa with two two companions to find the prince's grave hiring Zulu guides to help in the search. So the Zulus that killed him try and find the grave. Maybe not the same guy. <laughs> you don't Racist. Know I'm just saying You're that. You're saying they're all the same. I'm just saying the one that killed him might know where the grave is. Oh. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the jungle regenerates quickly and the grave could not be found. 
maybe it wasn't the same one. Mm. Probably should have got the same one. Yeah, maybe they found the maybe they found the same one. Yeah, probably should have got the same one. Same one. one. Yeah, that same one. Her friends, fearing for her health, urged her to give up the seemingly seemingly hopeless mission, but she insisted on continuing. One morning, she tore into the jungle, shouting something in French, (laughs) 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 which means "through here, this is the way." Her incredulous party followed as she ran through the jungle over rocks and fallen rog, look, rogs and through logs. What's a rogs? <laughs> it's a log, but if I say it fast enough, it's a rog. <laughs> through the grass. It sounds like a dog. <laughs> through like gra- a Scooby-Doo dog. <laughs> right, I'll tell you that one from the top. This one is called The Scent of Violets. No, not that far. <laughs> um, uh, so fallen rogs we had. Her incredulous party followed as she ran through the jungle over rocks and fallen logs, through grass as high as her head as though on a clear path, until she reached a marker so overgrown as to be completely hidden. It was the grave of Prince Lewis. To her amazed companions, she said that she was guided by the scent of violets. Lewis had loved the scent and had always worn it. She followed the scent of violets until it faded and arrived at the grave. She's like a bloodhound. She is. If I if I smelled a scent of violets, I don't know if I'd be that good at following it. I don't know if I'd need to chase after it. Yeah. Well, like, huh. there's violets here somewhere. Uh, well, I actually don't know what violets smell like, but uh, it smells alright. Yeah. Anything else for this week? Um. So what have we got? We got next week. I think we can get back on the old horse again. No, we should. What does that mean? More potty. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. all good. Next week we're going. It's going to be probably a shallow dive from me, but we'll catch up with Jim and finally go through the yep. um, video that he sent me of some paranormal goings on in his house. Nice, that'd so be good. That's, um, so Jim, the most most haunted guy I know, in the segment we call Jim the most haunted guy I know. It's a good segment, that. Yeah. Um, so we'll catch up with him next week, hopefully, and that's I think about us. It's a wrap. Um, once again get in touch with us it's always awesome hearing from people from all around the world looking up at the world map with all of the pins mm. uh, imaginarily in it yeah. not because there's no one listening but because we just haven't put pins in it yeah yeah. Um, well the, the biggest problem with that is that we don't have any pins yeah that's the only thing we've got a map if you um, send us a question for Tony a story of your own goings on or even just a story that you like tweet it to us at lrts underscore podcast send it uh into lights in the sky podcast at gmail.com or submit it on the submit your stories page at lights in the sky podcast.com um on that note uh oh yeah and if you do any of those things we will send you free stuff people like getting free stuff and they have liked getting our free stuff so far yes um, anywhere in the world um we will send you things so um that's about us for the week right i think it is right i think we should uh wind this up it's probably been going on for long enough no let's do another half an hour okay what are we at long enough i want to talk about macroeconomics for a while all right that's us for the week we'll catch you next week take care and toodaloo